Welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Noah Tetzner, a curious student of classical education and podcast producer. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on the Quarter Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to A Quarter Three Strands. This is Ron Young. And uh, today I have a special guest. Uh, The season has been on education. We've had a lot of conversations about uh, education and culture and school and higher education and and today I have a special guest, uh, Dr. Matthew Bianco, and he is going to talk to us about homeschooling. Um, he is the chief operations officer for the Searcy Institute, where he also serves as the head mentor in their apprenticeship program. He's a homeschool father of three. I, I believe all three of his children have graduated not only high school, but also college um, Some from some pretty, pretty cool one. Um, Matt has graduated or, or has earned his PhD in humanities from Faulkner University's Great Books Honor College, which makes me very jealous because I keep looking at that school and saying, ah, oh, maybe, maybe. Yep. Uh, he's also the author of A Letter to My Sons, A Humane Vision for Human Relationships. Matt, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. I yeah, appreciate thanks for having it. me. I appreciate it. Yeah, he and I have had a chance to, at um, Association of Classical Christian <clears throat> School Conferences, um, I always kind of, find myself over the Cersei table to talk to you guys, whether it was you or Brian Phillips or, or Andrew Kern and um, really appreciate the work you guys do. And, um, and so today, as we, we talk about um, education, I'm going to start with that question, Matt, what is education and um, can you do that at home? <laughs> I just what is for a Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you're starting with an easy question, a softball. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I kind of like the definition that the Searcy Institute uses, which is more a definition of what is classic or Christian classical education is, uh, the cultivation of wisdom and virtue, uh, by nourishing the soul on truth, goodness, and beauty. So that's, I think that's a pretty good definition. I kind of go with that. Um, I think, so I think education is, is the cultivation of wisdom and virtue, just to shorten it. And that it can certainly be done in, (laughs) in the homeschool, of course. Um, I mean, hopefully I, you know, we did it with my, you know, I say I homeschooled my kids or the bio I think says I homeschooled my kids. Um, I I just said we did it, but you know, it was my wife that did it. And I was the cheerleader behind the scenes, you know, good job. Keep going. Well done, honey. 
Well, I, I know that very well. I, I homeschooled, we homeschooled our, our oldest two all the way through and uh, through high, up through graduating high school. And the next three, we had uh, started off homeschooling and then ended up at Providence Academy where they, where they, two of them have graduated. I have one who's still, still there, but yeah, it's, it is a, it is, was mainly my wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if I can take credit for a role other than, you know, supporting her and encouraging her, it was probably the last two years of my older two, the two boys, I taught them more those two years. Um, and then, and then I kind of provoked us to do it to begin with. Like we had moved, I was in the air force at the time and we had moved to a church where like 90% of the family's homeschooled and the, and then, and we weren't. And my oldest was, I think in third grade, my middle one was a kindergartner. And then my youngest was not in school yet. And I, I felt like this is, we should be doing this. Like this is, we need to have more um, say in what our children are getting, the kind of education they're getting, and especially like the kind of the um, education from like understanding reality in the world around us from a Christian perspective as part of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, my wife was like, no, I don't want to homeschool our kids. I, she never said this, but I always tease that I, when I tell the story, I always joke that she said, no, I don't want to homeschool our children. I don't like our children. Um, she never actually said the last part, but yeah. then, uh, then it was like the, the, the year that my oldest went into third grade, I was going to be transferred. We were in California and I was going to be transferred to like in November, I was going to be transferred to Texas. And then in February, I was going to be transferred to Maryland so my kids were going to be in three different schools in three different districts in three different states, all in the same school year. Yep. And when that happened, my wife agreed like that would be hard on the kids. I'll homeschool them this year. And so I, th- I don't think she said I'll homeschool them this year. She said, I'll start homeschooling them, which then I thought I win. She's going to homeschool her children forever. Yeah. And, uh, but she, she told me later, she admitted to me later that, what she had actually agreed to in her mind was I'll homeschool them for this year. And then I'm putting them back in school. You know, when, once we're settled yeah. in Maryland, yeah. but by the end of that school year, she, she says, you know, I realized I liked doing it and I liked being around them and I liked having them, you know, home and getting to spend yeah. that extra time with them. So, so it's kind of like, she went from, as I jokingly say, from not wanting to homeschool because she didn't like our children to, wanting to homeschool because she realized I do like our children. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. We were, um, so I'm, <clears throat> I'm a little older than you in, uh, we had back in, uh, you know, back in, uh, uh, you know, the late nineties, um, and our, our oldest son is went to kindergarten and, and we had a, uh, you know, we had a great kindergarten teacher, but there was a lot of things in there that we just were, uh, did, did not like at all. And, um, we were going to decide to homeschool and uh, we knew one other person who homeschooled and they lived in California and we lived in Wisconsin. I was pastoring a church and when we, um, with, with a lot of educators 
you know, teachers. We had an administrator yeah. also. And as soon as we, we started homeschooling, it was just, um, it, we were, it, it was like no one talked about it. It was very, very strange. And uh, until the, the, the one who was a vice principal, he's a principal now, good guy. Um, he, he finally asked us and, and we had, we had our reasons and, and the, the main reason was, um, you know, besides we thought we could do it well is, is that we, um, we, we wanted to produce, provide a, a Christian education and, um, and, and they weren't, you know, I felt like we had to correct our kindergartner, hmm. you know, and, and all sorts of things that were being taught. And it wasn't just. An education, it was, it, it had to do with the uh, behavior and how you, you talk and the manners and all sorts of things. And so it was the biggest, the biggest one. And I think it is, um, I, I think I heard this from Douglas Wilson. I'm not positive, but, but so I didn't make this up, but, but I, I, I've really latched onto it. One of the biggest, um, one of the biggest lies that you get in a public education is, is that you can live your life without a divine referent. And that that becomes normal. So, so your kids mm-hmm. who live their, their, you know, seven 30 in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon life without a single referent to God, think that's normal. And that, uh, you, the parents who, who are, you know, <laughs> these church going people are weird yeah, and, yeah. uh, it's, it's just not good, but, but your, your, your wife warmed up to it and, and, uh, yeah, you know, Hey, those kids aren't, aren't too bad, huh? Yeah. You know, of course you don't always know that on a day-to-day basis, right? Like sometimes you're thinking, Oh my gosh, where did these demons come from? Um, (laughs) but you know, you get, you get to, uh, our age, um, and you kind of look back on it all and you're like, it was good. They're, they're good kids and you know, they're on the right track and, um, you know, they make mistakes and they do things that are that I think are stupid, but so do I, I just don't admit it when I do it. So, <laughs> you know, I don't call myself on out on it the way I do them, but they, uh, yeah, they're, it's just generally, it's actually <laughs> in Jeremiah chapter two, there's a verse there where God is, you know, God is speaking to Jeremiah and he's like telling them, telling him to go tell the, the Israelites that they've gone astray. And he says, he says, um, I remember you in your youth when you were faithful to me in the wilderness. Yeah. And I thought, what? No, 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 man. God, come on here. Let me help you out here, God. Because I've read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I know yeah. that they weren't faithful to you in the wilderness. I know about all the complaining they did. They drive me crazy. And here he is saying that, that they were faithful in the wilderness. And it just, it kind of makes me, kind of makes me um, think, how it, when I'm reading, when I'm reading Levitic or numbers or whatever, right. When I'm reading numbers, I'm, I'm kind of reading it and living it in the moment, right? Like I'm experiencing it as they're doing it. Also, yeah. it doesn't necessarily t- explain the, describe the time lapse very well. Right. So it seems like they're right. always complaining. They're always violate, you know, breaking the rules yeah. always testing. And and but that's kind of what it feels like when our kids are little and they're at home, right? It's like, they're always breaking yeah. the rules. They're always testing me. They're always, whatever. and then, and then in Jeremiah, he's kind of looking back on that whole, that whole time period. And he's like, you were faithful. Like overall, generally speaking, you are good kids and you're faithful now, not so much. And, and that's kind of how it feels like 
I think it, can, it it's it is for us like as an as an older parent who's graduated my children in the moment right. they drove me crazy. I pulled my hair yeah. out of my head, you know, yep. and and since you can see me on the video, like you can see literally, I have no hair on my head. Um, <laughs> and then, but now when I look back, I was I can't even remember those things. Yes, like I remember that I felt them, but I don't remember them. You know, they just they were just good kids. Yeah, I, so. It's it's an amazing thing when um, talking not only in homeschooling, but in, you know, Christian schooling, you know, parents who, when they're very young, they, um, you know, you, know, you get the, the homeschooling parents, they think oh, we're not going to, it's not going to work. We're not going to make it. And and you right. tell them, look, it's, just, it's, it's developmental. I mean, they're, they're learning and, mm-hmm. and they're going to make mistakes and, and you just have to be consistent and you have to work on it. And, uh, they're going to have all their little sinners and you, you gotta, you gotta work through that and you're a sinner. You're going to blow it sometimes. And, and when they work through it, then it becomes great. But then middle school happens, you know, they, they, they start that, you know, um, just beginning stages of puberty and, and it just, it goes nuts again. And, and then you have parents again, like all the parents at, at Providence Academy, it's like, they're like, what happened? They were so they were so great and they did so well in school and now they're not doing, you know, the, and it's like, well, it's, it's part of its developmental. They, they now have become, um, you know, they, they, they used to do things to please you and, and now they're in developmentally at that point where they don't care. <laughs> they don't, they're trying to, their main task right now seems to be to, 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 to do, figure out what they want to do. And they're going to do the bare minimum so that, so they don't get in trouble. I mean, that, that just, and that's just a universal, like the kids mm. get to that middle school age. It doesn't matter if they're homeschooled. If it doesn't matter if they're public schooled, it doesn't matter if they're home, uh, Christian schooled classically, non-classically, it doesn't matter. It, it's again, it's a developmental part. And you, you think that they're at Meribah and you know, or whatever it, in the <laughs> yeah. desert, you know, where they, that, that testing and, it, and it, you know, but, they, it's like you, they have to go through that and you, you know, you, you work on it, you do well. And then all of a sudden they come out the other end and you go, wow, these are, these are great kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you still, you still get that a little bit in you know, middle school, but, but it, it's a difficult, you know, early, the early years and those middle school years can be a bit of a, a struggle. Right. Yeah. I think the, the thing I, I I want, you know, kind of the homeschooling parent to think about maybe is just that what the, the things that are stressors right now, it it's because of the perspective. It's because you're in the moment. Yeah. And there yeah. will be a time that comes with, like we know it, right? Sometimes we say things like, oh, we'll laugh about this later. You know, yeah. and we and we can recognize that sometimes, but I mean, really like like the they're, they're kids, they're human beings. They're, they're going to do all the same things you did, you know, as mom or dad. And, and they're going to, they're going to do the same things to you that you did to your parents. And, um, but, it, but, but the relationship that you build with them yeah. in your home during those crucial hours and the relationship that you build when you're pursuing, you know, understanding this world with, with the referent, with the referent of God, that that wouldn't happen other or may not happen otherwise. Um, that's going to overcome a lot of stuff. I mean, that's going to be so much more important than 
the number of times they frustrated you in that time period, you know, in that span yeah. of time. And then you, you, you talked about education as the cultivation of wisdom and virtue. And, and part of the question is, well, what's the virtue of a five-year-old? What's the virtue of a 13-year-old? What's the, right? They're not the same as an adult. And, yeah. and um, if our expectation is, is that they're this fully mature, virtuous and wise person, it, we're, we're in big trouble. It, it takes, it takes yeah. time. It takes uh, development. Um, you know, I, I would even question the idea of, of a person even having the ability to be called wise until they're um, older. You know, I, right. you know, it's because uh, it, wisdom has to do with judgment and you know what, mm-hmm. the, the expectation I would have of a, of my a grammar school student would be um, the, the, what they're going to judge is um, I'm, I'm going to obey or I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and, if, yeah. and if you obey, um, then, then that's the kind of wisdom that you had. You knew that was the better choice. Um, you, you're not going to be weighing out things. And, you know, I always tell, tell kids in my, um, in the older kids, it's like you, when you were young, the biggest decisions you're making in your life have to do with, do I choose good or do I choose evil? And it's really hard. I said, but mm-hmm. when you get older, the older you get, it's about choosing between different goods, right? Mm-hmm. I can't, do, I can't do all of these goods. I have to, I have to do some and not the other. Yeah. And that is, that's, so that's where wisdom is really growing is them making that, those choices between, you know, all the, the good options that they have, friends, school, family, church, you, you name sports, uh, you name it. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, and, and it takes time to get them to that point to where they can have the circumspection or the, you know, the, um, not only circumspection, but foresight to, to be able to choose to be prudent. You, you mm-hmm. have to right. have to do that. So what's the benefit? I'm going to just ask this. So, so there's, I, I know, cause I was a homeschool dad too, that there are some tremendous benefits in schooling from home in terms of that cultivating of, of virtue and, and wisdom. Can you, can you kind of expound on that? Like why, why would it be a good thing to be doing this at home? Good question. Yeah. The, um, I mean, yeah, because probably the more obvious, the more obvious benefits are the kind of the, the relationship, right? The, the closeness of the relationship that, um, that, you know, the parent has with the child or the parents have with the children. And, you know, that's a big one, right? That's a huge, a huge benefit, but it's also a relationship that, that, you know, grows and, and deepens over the course of their life, right? Over the, the fact that you've struggled to these, these things together, you know, when mom and, when mom and, and, um, you know, high school freshman son are both struggling over the same math problem, right? Like there's a, uh, there's a bond that is formed by the fact that we suffered this, this torture together, you know? And, um, so I think it's important, you know, to, to have that because of the, because of the, the, the depth of the relationship and the bond that's forged by it, the, you know, the virtue side, there's, it's, there's, uh, I want to try not to overstate the case here because it can be frustrating sometimes when pro homeschool advocates like 
overpromise what homeschooling is going to do, you know, yeah. like it's going to, like it's this perfect pill that will just make your child a perfectly wise and virtuous, you know, saint or something. Um, which just doesn't seem to be true. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the same. It's the same as a, a, you know, I'm headmaster of a classical Christian school and, uh, and it, it, and it in general, like, you know, if you're going to go percentages, um, you know, a, a student coming out of, out of like Providence Academy, um, they're, they're going to, they're going to demonstrate a, a greater degree of faithfulness of, of wisdom and virtue as a, as a percentage than, you know, a, a public school kid or even a, another Christian school. I think there's studies that kind of shown that. And anecdotally, yeah. I, I know that. Um, and, and same with, with homeschools, but we've all had students who have, you know, never bought on, right. They've just, right. they've right. always been in rebellion. And the, the, the hope and prayer we have is that they've got, um, that there's, there's something that we've pre- given them that's going to come back that, that somehow the, the grace of God is going to, um, grab hold of those, those kids. But, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, that's I, the, yeah, with a percentage, I think you're, you know, I, I don't think it's overselling it to say that you, there's a good, if you're homeschooling your kids and you're, you're, you're serious about it and doing well with it um, and intentional in, in how you're mm-hmm. teaching and what you're doing that your kids percentage wise are going to gonna turn out to be good, wise and virtuous people. Yeah. 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 On the, on the kind of the overall, the whole of it, right. If statistically or you just generally or not, um, generally speaking, I think that's the case. The, the, you know, the homeschooling mom or dad that gets kind of hurt by that promise, right. That's the ones I'm, I guess, yes. being kind of be cautious for, but the, generally speaking, I agree. I think that's the case. And, you know, so you have, you have this sense of like, I, I, well, let me, let me say it this way. Let me tell a story as an analogy. Um, I was at a, I was at a homeschooling event doing some training several years ago, like 2013, 2014 up in new England somewhere or Chicago, I think it was Chicago area. And I was talking to a mom and she had a special needs child and she put her special needs child into a public school because everybody in her community, her friends, her family, her church, the doctors, everybody said, you can't educate this child. You need to put this child with the professionals. And so she put the child into a public school in a special needs program and she homeschooled the older children. And so this is all during, um, during president Obama's, um, what was his program called? Not, not no child left behind. What was whatever oh, yeah, his yeah. version uh, of that. Right. Yeah. 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 Rise. And, or no, called. Do you remember? Yeah. I'm, it's something to do with like upward or I don't know, rise or I don't remember what it is, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was the precursor to, to um, the other program. Now I can't even think of it. Go ahead. You, I don't even yeah. want to think about it. <laughs> whatever it was the, the successor to, or the, the, fo- the one that followed no child left behind. Common, common care. Yeah. Common core. It was the, the one right before. If you took money 
I know that if you took money from the Obama administration and that program, then you were obligated to do Common Core when that came around. I, because I remember there were schools okay. in our area that, that that did that, and it was they they then regretted it. Mm. So, so in this program, the there was basically a kind of there were basically two tracks. There was the the, the regular education track that's kind of preparing you for college. And then there was this like alternative track that was um, kind of life skills. Right. Like you're not going to be, you're not going to go to college. You're not going to have a real career, you know, a career, a career that requires further education. So you need to know how to like give change and count money and, you know, weigh things and whatever, like a life skills kind of thing. I'm probably oversimplifying it, but this lady, her daughter was in kindergarten and the rule was if you if you failed to maintain standards three times over the course of your 13 year high school career on the third time you got moved into this life skills track okay and so her daughter in kindergarten was about to approach the third test like she'd already failed two two of the checkpoints and she was yeah. about to approach another checkpoint that would have been her third failure and so the, the, the mom is like, well, you, I put her in here with you as the professionals to prevent this. Yeah. And you're telling me that she's going to fail because you haven't been able to teach her how to read. Yeah. And the, and the teachers, the teachers literally said to her in kindergarten or first grade, whatever it was, um, we don't have time to give yeah. your child the attention she needs to be able to pass this checkpoint. You're going to have to do it yourself. Yeah. And so the mom that night, uh, the way I remember the story, the mom that night was doing some activities with the other children. And she had written, she would write on the board a word or a couple of words and she would ask the kids something. And she Uh noticed as she was doing this with the older children, that the, 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 the special needs child like her eyes were tracking what was on the whiteboard. Hey, Matt. And she came up with an idea to, so she wrote, she wrote four or five words on the whiteboard. And then she asked the youngest daughter, the special needs daughter, which of those words means cat. And the daughter was able to point to it. Which of those words spells house. And the daughter's able to point to it. And the daughter and then she realized the daughter could read and that she actually had a verbal processing problem. And so the, the school teachers couldn't see that she knew how to read because she wasn't able to express her reading skill verbally. So they were failing her or not the teachers, but the school, the system was failing her because she couldn't verbally process, but she could do the thing they were asking her to do, just not expressing it the way that they had suggested. I, you know, we had a, a, a story in, in, uh, at Providence, a, a girl who was having struggle reading and, uh, they, they did an IED, um, you know, individualized, uh, educational plan through the public school. And they were going to have her transferred to a public school, which was near our school so that, you know, the sisters would be nearby and, and all this stuff. And, uh, w- when I asked the, when I asked them, um, so what's, what's the reason she's not able to read? Is there a diagnosis and how are you going to help her to learn how to read? 
And, and their response was, well, that's not what we're going to do. We're just going to provide resources so that we can, uh, she can pass classes and just kind of move up. So they had no intention of teaching her how to read. So I, yeah. I talked to the parents like that, that you just, you can't let, you can't let them do that. Don't. And so they, they found a, um, a reading specialist uh, in, in the area who worked with her over the summer. And lo and behold, two years, two years later, she is uh, thriving and had a, uh, she, her, she wrote an essay for a veterans contest and won. Like, it, you know, in other words, that one decision was the difference between her thriving the rest of her life or, or not even be able to read, you know, it just was, it was, yeah. it was crazy. Um, but yeah, the, it, it is, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very unfortunate, um, thing. Anyway, you were, you, you were going on with the, the story then. Yeah. Cause I think, I think the thing that both of those stories illustrate and which I think is, is one of the main, I mean, really one of the main pro values of prom or, uh, yeah, promises or the main positives, I guess, benefits of homeschooling is that, you know, the, the, the teachers in that school system, the public school system, they don't have the time, the resources, right. and, and, and nor do they love your child the same way you do. Absolutely. They're, they're not going to be able to pour themselves into the child the same way the parent can and will. And, you know, these little kids are, are, are left to the system, left to the, to the devices of the system are not going to grow up being able to read and write well, um, especially if they have these, you know, these kind of struggles, yeah. issues. Whereas the parent can, the parent loves the child enough and can, and, and can prioritize the child in a way that the school, the system can't, right. To pour into that child in a way to help them or, or as the case may be, love them enough to go find somebody who can help them, you know? Right. And, and I think that carries over to not just some, not just a, a, you know, a skill like reading or writing, but to just th the virtue itself, right. Where, where it can be reduced in the, in a system to it, well, to a system that cares about, about morality and more, you know, justice, it can be reduced to merely a, we have to punish this. Yeah. And, and it's just a punitive kind of reaction rather than a, than a, uh, an attempt to try to heal, correct, you know, promote, promote positive behavior, positive virtue. Um, and in a, in a, in a system that doesn't even re doesn't even recognize morality and justice, then, you know, it becomes social engineering, right. To whatever, yeah. Whatever the virtue of the day is, the justice, the social justice of the day is, it, it becomes about that. And then they don't even care if you're, if you're, you know, committing other acts of immorality, um, you know, as long as you're, as long as you're updating your social media profile pic to have a, you know, Ukrainian flag or, or yeah. <laughs> transgender flag yeah. or whatever, you know, whatever the issue of the day is. Right. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh it's, it's a different kind of virtue if, if it's a virtue at all, right? It's a different yep. kind of virtue. It's coming from a very different perspective. Yeah. My, my oldest son, when he was in a, in kindergarten, my, my wife was helping out and went down the hall and a, a kid in the hall, um, yelled out SOB only, you know, the, the full words. Yeah. 
And uh, she stopped and looked at this, you know, first or second grade kid and then looked at the teacher who was in the hall watching. And she kind of, you know, looked at my wife and kind of shook her head. He goes, yeah, kids these days and says to the, the child who just cursed out loud, um, try not to yell in the hall. Try not to yell in the hall. I know that if that kid, if that student had thrown an aluminum can into the trash can instead of the recycling bin, they would have gotten in trouble. So that, that school had, they, yeah. they had, they had morals, they had a virtue. It just, they weren't biblical. Mm. They weren't, they weren't centered right. around God. They were around something else entirely. And, um, and, and we, we, uh, we had to get them out of there. I, I think one of the, one of the things that wow. I've, I've appreciated, really appreciated with the, the opportunities to homeschool our kids and also for the other kids to be in Providence Academy is that um, we've, we've all read the same books. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, there's this um, in a, in a culture, um, you know, as, when, when there are these things that we can hold in common um, and have an, a knowledge and understanding of a, of a particular body of work, especially if a body of work is excellent. Um, these become great reference. And, and so we have a, a, a greater, I think my family, my, my, my children and my, my wife and I probably have a, a much greater way to communicate with our children than a lot of other parents, because, you know, I'm not saying that my kids didn't participate in, you know, pop culture. They, they, you know, know pop culture a bit. Um, even when I don't want them to, you know, it just, it just seeps in. And, and I have a little bit of familiar with pop culture because right? I have to, I, I ought to. Um, but, um, but, but a, a, a student who goes off to, to a, a public school, for instance, for all that, that time, they're getting seeped into pub, into pop culture and to new books and to new material that separate them from their parents' generation. Mm -hmm. in that homeschool setting and in the school setting that I, I was a part of, there's this uh, commonality, right? Not only do we know the Bible, we, we know all these great works of literature and, um, and, and we can, we can make references and, and we do, and we, and, and we can, we can have conversations uh, that, 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 you know, it's, you know, it's like this. And we talk about a book that we've read together and, and we all we all know what we're talking about, and it's just it 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 keeps the family um the the family the culture is it, it just it's just good yeah right? there's we had you know during COVID I had some of my adult children were back um, because you know I had one who was at West Point and he finished his West Point career at home uh, much to his chagrin uh, I had another one who was in a um, finishing up. Uh, at uh, Wisconsin Lutheran College, and he was home, and my daughter was home. My two daughters were home, so there's four of us. And during during COVID, you know, we'd sit around the dinner table for like hours, and and we we some you know talking, having conversations. And and at one time, my wife apologized to him. I'm sorry, this is so boring, and that you you know, or that you know, you your life has been put on hold, and you know, we're there's nothing to do but sit sit around and talk around the dinner table. And they were just, no, this is, this is like the highlight of my day. Like this, yeah. you know, and, and, um, 
and it was a, it's just a, a, a delight. Um, and I, I don't think, I, th- I think that that's a very hard thing to cultivate if you have given up your children to another entity to raise, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing that I have, a um, one of my dreams and, and I've been trying to work on this, believe me, is that in a, in a Christian school setting, in a classical Christian school setting, these kids are reading great books and they're, you know, discussing theology and all this wonderful stuff. And, um, a lot of the parents don't have any idea what they're talking about. And so there's, right. there becomes this disconnect when, when we were homeschooling, you know, if we were having a conversation about, um, the Iliad around the dinner table, the Iliad, you know, the Iliad just seems like it's part of life. You know, like, doesn't everyone just read the Iliad and have discussions about it? And, right. You know, um, the girls didn't like it as much. Um, but you know, it, it, it is, it's part or Shakespeare or whatever, you know, someone watches a movie and they go, that, that seemed a lot like, you know, King Lear. And we talk about it. Um, whereas I, I think like in schools, even at a classical Christian school, one of the, one of the things that can happen is that it still seems like Shakespeare's a subject you take in, in school and then you don't talk about it. Hmm. And we're tr- trying to get, trying to get that past that, uh, trying to yeah. get it to where that's something that is a, uh, it's part of the liberal arts. It's part of what it means to be a free person. And, and, and part of what we, we do as a, a, a Christian community is, is <laughs> talk about these things and enjoy these things together. And, and it's not just some segmented aspect of your life that you don't have to worry about ever again. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, and that's a, um, a hard thing. So we, we, we started Palatine Institute. Um, you know, we, we do this classical reading group. And so a lot of the book lists that, you would read in a, in a classical conversations or at a classical Christian school. Um, we get adults together, parents together, and we read the books together and we talk through them. I know that, that Cersei Institute does similar things. Um, uh, you know, reading through those, some of those great works. And, um, and to me that, that, that's like the, that's like the missing piece, <laughs> you know, is getting, getting the generations on the same page because we're, we we're reading the same things and mm-hmm. able to talk about these same things and to, to enjoy them and to be, um, yeah. to, to encourage each other with them. It's interesting in, cause in my, you know, the work and the role that I have at Cersei, I'm interacting with both of those communities, right? The, yeah. the homeschooling community communities and the classical school communities. And, you know, when I talk to homeschooling parents about education and why they homeschool, you know, one of, there are a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is typically something like, I don't want, I don't want to come, I don't want my kids coming home and sharing with me all of the horrible things they learned from the other kids or from bad teachers or whatever, right? Like there's some sort of kind of cultural influence, negative influence that's coming from the, the teachers or the students in a school. Probably the majority of the time they're talking about you know, whatever, their, their understanding of, of public education, probably from their own experiences and the horror stories they hear. Um, but there's, to some extent, I think it's just schools generally. Like they, they mean this even about 
you know, the typical Christian school or classical school, even, I don't know. And what's interesting to me is that when I talk to the schools, what, among the problems that they identify, one of the problems that they identify is the parents. Yeah. They can't get the parents on board with the culture yeah. that they're trying to create in the school for the children. And it kind of goes back to what you were just describing, right? You have these kids in school learning Shakespeare, learning Homer, learning Latin, whatever it is, right? They go home and the parents have no experience with any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, they're not also experiencing that stuff. So they don't have that shared language, that shared culture, the shared experiences, all of that stuff, right? Um, and so then the homeschool, you know, the, the homeschool, it w- was, it's interesting because the, the homeschool overcomes that problem, right? Because they are doing it together. Mom yep. and son are struggling over math together or struggling over Shakespeare together or, or enjoying Lord of the Rings together or whatever it is, you know, and, or, you know, at night when, when, when dad's home, Star Wars or what, you know, whatever their family kind of cultural <laughs> experiences. And so they do have all that shared experience. But then the other side of it is the parents aren't always aware of their, of their vices. So then yep. <laughs> the children kind of grow up with those vices, right? Like procrastination or yeah. whatever, you know, whatever the vice might be. Typically not something like massively immoral, but, you know, something that's still, they require self-discipline and, you know, training that the school might've been able to help with, but the, the, the parents who are blind yeah. to it or whatever. So it is interesting though, that idea of the, of the, the shared culture and, you know, trying to, trying to, um, or getting the chance to build that up together. Like we have no I- idea how much of an impact that has on our families, our relationships, our communities. So Matt, tell us a little bit about uh, Cersei Institute and what, what is Cersei all about and what are you, what are they doing and why we should check you out on the web? Well, <laughs> I, you know, I think Cersei does a little bit of everything for, um, you know, classical Christian education and kind of a little bit of everything for a little bit of everybody. So we have a lot of homeschoolers that, you know, do stuff with us. We have a lot of classical schools that do stuff with us. I mean, we have, you know, if I start maybe from the, the, the cheapest, lowest level of commitment to the highest, um, we have, you know, podcasts, uh, we have a podcast called Quiddity, which kind of just does, you know, general educational conversations or conversations with, you know, significant people. Um, and then we have, uh, we have another one called the plays, the thing, which goes through all of Shakespeare. Um, we have one called overdue classics, which is, you know, we, we used to have a podcast called close reads and then they, that kind of moved off with David, uh, Kern and, you know, they do, they do, you know, conversation around, um, they do a conversation around, you know, books or whatever. So overdue classics is similar to that different hosts, but similar to that in that it's the same kind of a conversation we hope. But it's, but it's about like the old books, old classic books that, that, you know, overdue, like we should yeah. have read them and we haven't, or we want to read them and we have, and this is a way to kind of motivate that. So we have that podcast. And then we have another one called Proverbial with Joshua Gibbs, where he kind of goes through some wisdom literature, Proverbs and um, riffs on those for a little bit. And then there's another one, Skole, that we host for Christopher Perrin um, that he does on 
their school A and its role in education. Uh, from there, we publish books from folks that are writing about these these ideas. And um, so that's kind of the next level commitment, you know, maybe $15, $20. Um, and you, but you get a book. Um, yeah. And then we have a lot of training stuff online, you know, $10, 90 minute webinars that you can watch live or get recordings of. Um, we have, you know, $100, $120 courses that are like six weeks long, um, usually about literature or typically about some sort of something related to classical education. You know, Andrew Kern's got one coming up soon that he's doing one of the six week courses on um, mimetic teaching, which is kind of a big thing for Cersei that we like to talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, conferences regional conferences we have our national conferences in denver in july it's sold out of course but yeah. um well i maybe not of course to your recent your listeners but it sells out very quickly every year like the day we open registration <laughs> is the day it sells out um yeah and then although that's not completely true if you're from a school we do reserve a block of seats for schools to be able to buy some in chunks and we know that they yeah. can't necessarily make that decision in October first on October first when the registration opens. So we save them till spring. So if you're from a school listening, then you know you can still reach out to us. We might have spots left. Um, there you go. And then it's, uh, it's been my it's been my dream, and I've I've kept talking. Now now that now that our school is built, um, we'd love to have you guys do a regional conference up here in Green Bay because there's yeah. I mean we have besides Providence Academy, there's a Grace Christian. Um, which is classical school. We got uh, John Paul II and and um, um, Chesterton Academy, which oh, are yeah, the Catholic yeah. classical schools here. And then we have we have things down the Fox Valley and classical conversations is a huge thing all out here. So we we got to get you guys up here to do a regional conference. But it would be um, a homecoming so. for Andrew, so he'd be on board. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it, and I think he wanted to do it if if he could, uh, or somewhere near a Packer game, so he could go to the game. Of course, so, yeah. So it has to be an October conference, a fall conference, right? That's right. right. There's no yeah. point in going up there in March. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, football's over. Yeah, the uh, yeah. yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds like typical Andrew. Um, yeah, that would be great. I mean, I love doing those and they're there. I love the, the national conference. Of course, it's a huge event and it's like a gigantic family reunion for us. Cause we get so many of the same people every year, but, um, yeah. the regional conferences that we do, those are just great. Cause there's, I mean, the people are there. It's, 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 it's even closer knit, right? There's more, you get more chances to talk to different people and meet them. And, and it's almost always attended by people who just love education, love their children, love their students, love classical ideas. And they're just, and it's just such a hungry audience and they're a hungry crowd of people. And, and I mean, being able to speak to a, an audience so hungry is, is one thing, but being able to meet and interact with those people in your own community that you didn't even know, or like just down the road from you, because it's usually attended by right. that community, right? Like the people in that, that, you know, the radius yes. of that area, that town. So those are, those are wonderful events. Some of my favorites. Um, we have the, our next one of those is in October in just outside of Atlanta um, in Georgia. So uh, looking forward to that one. And then, and then our biggest, biggest thing is our, is our apprenticeship, like three-year program, how to teach, um, you know, you learn about mimetic teaching, Socratic teaching, uh, rhetoric, reading, public speaking. I mean, it's all kind of wrapped up into one program for three years, one to three years. And 
I don't, yeah, I don't, I, life-changing is the only word I have to describe it, but, um, that, that sounds like I'm claiming too much, but I'm, I'm not, I promise you. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I saw a video of you doing a Socratic teaching. I, I think you're on a camping trip or something. Yeah. And, and the seeing, seeing, seeing these high school students, um, kind of get deeper into, uh, I think it was a Shakespeare book or something that you guys were going to go see a Shakespeare that's right. It was yeah. Julius Caesar. And then, and then you're, they're asking how to dis- describe it in one word. And, and it went into a great conversation. And I think, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if, if you ever, you know, it's a good way to go find it. I think it was in forma. No, I don't know what it was, but you, uh, it's somewhere on Cersei's web uh, page. You can, you can search it out. But, um, when you see high school students having these kinds of conversations, and and realize that that is possible, and that you, you can teach your kids <laughs> yeah. in this way. It's an amazing thing. And I I when um when Providence Academy asked me to be their headmaster way back when it was a K through eight school, and I and I told them the only way I would do that is if they let me out of high school yeah. because when you get when you get to see the kid the students um go through that dialectic phase that logic phase into that rhetoric um and and just see how they can converse with one another how they can think through issues or or books and and um hmm. it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful thing um yeah. i i like to tell the story of like when my oldest son was in high school I had, I, at this point I wasn't at Providence, I was homeschooling and I had a, um, I taught a great books program and did some of that Socratic teaching, um, with, with them. And, and, um, he was at youth group and there are two other guys who were classically educated homeschooling. And I guess after the, after youth group, they would often get in these conversations with the youth pastor and they got into a pretty, pretty big, long conversation. And, um, you know, I'm just sitting at home with my wife, we're watching TV or something. And we see this string of, uh, headlights coming down our road and all these kids start popping out of their cars and they come into our living room. Like our whole living room is just filled with all these teenagers. And, um, my son just asked me a question, Hey, remember we talked about this thing and you know, whatever. And I think I said, you know, I, I think that's in Calvin's institutes about, you know, something. And I just, I just threw that out there and then all, and my son just turns around and starts talking to these other two guys, uh, Matt and Caleb, and they're, they carry on their conversation and there's this room full of teenagers just sitting there watching, they're listening. It was this strange thing to them. And it was, it was wonderful. And I, and I, I wish if I could have had that on video, Right. If that, if that could have just been recorded just to, just to show people like, this is what, it, this is what we're talking about, but you, you videoed it on, at your camping trip. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have this, you have the, now this was, I think it was sort of directed by you at first. And then it just ended up into the, the kids talking about it and, and debating and which is, which is the awesome thing. Uh, I get, I get teachers. Um, we'll talk about how we'll have a, conversation in one of my one one of our classes right it's not just me but it might be one of the other teach humanities teachers and then um and this 
this conversation flows over into the next class period. <laughs> so they're, they're in study hall or they're in, you know, some other class and they, they have to, they, it's like, they can't stop talking about this thing that they were talking about in, in right. you know, in literature class. And it's just, and, and, um, and, and, and that's what it, and so what, what the t- teacher will usually do is just like, let it go. Like, why would I stop this yeah. to just because a bell said it? No, we're going to just let it go. And so we can finish out the conversation. And, and uh, nice. now that that's, that might be rare in a Christian school um, it, at our school, because like Cersei, since we see education in terms of that cultivation of virtue and wisdom, these are the, these are the things that we want to encourage. So we're not going to, we don't want to stop it because the bell tells us, right. I mean, how that's, not, that's not human. That's not right. That's um. so, but I will say for in homeschooling, that's, that's almost never the case. The only time that that has in our experience that has been the case is um, we, we have to stop now because dinner's going to get cold or um, we have to leave now to go to church or to some other practice or something like that. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. So I'm going to just to t- tell everyone, check out Cersei Institute. Um, they're a fan- phenomenal organization. I can't recommend them highly enough. Um, they're they're uh, uh, very much Palatine Institute aligns v- very nicely with Cersei and their goals. And uh, many of the, the people on staff there are just, um, you, you'll, you'll want to go back and listen to them over and over again. So, um, Matthew, we uh, appreciate it greatly. I'm, I'm bummed you're not going to be in Pittsburgh this summer, but um, I'm sure we'll we'll uh, catch up another time. All right. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Matt.